All right, I know you are prepared for the word tonight. Um, before I touch on this topic, I want to say something, you know, something that is upon my heart. Um, the Holy Scriptures, which I read to you every time I come here, is alive. It is a living word. It is a prophetic word which shines in darkness. What I want to say to you tonight is this. Your answer is not in the word, but in the word. Same pronunciation, but different spelling and meaning. What I mean is your answer is not in the outside word, but in the word of God. And the Bible says that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, which means that every prophetic word contained in the scripture is not according to man's own invention, but by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Now the scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord moved holy men to write the scriptures. Now, those holy men have passed on, but the message is still alive today, and it will be forever and ever. Tonight's message is a rhema to you. It is a prophetic word for the beginning of the year. A specific word at a specific time to a specific person. And I know that you are that person. And I know that it is the reason why you are there listening to this program. But it has pleased God that you should hear this message the very first Sunday of the year. And I know that God is giving to you something that will carry you through the year and beyond. Something that is, if I may say, something that is so wonderful, something that is supernatural, something that would keep you in peace and in security. Now before I move on, I want us to pray. I want you to bow down your head wherever you are. But before then, I want you to tell a friend, a family, a brother, a sister, to tune in that is your own um, evangelistic ministry indirectly bringing people to the word of God for I believe and I always say that if anyone is saved by reason of your effort God will remember you one day in heaven for what you did. God bless you once again. Now let us pray. 
God, your prophetic word is not of any private interpretation. None can understand except by your supernatural light that reveals hidden things and makes known your purpose and mind. Tonight, let your word shine in the hearts of your people, a light that shines in darkness, giving understanding to them pertaining to what you want them to know, what you want them to embrace, what you want them to accept this very year in the mighty name of Jesus. Pour out your spirit on all in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen. Tonight God wants me to share with you a word. And the word is perfect security in the blood of Jesus Christ. Perfect security in the blood of Jesus Christ. Perfect security in the blood of of Jesus Christ. And every year, every year has got its own problems. No, there are some who say that there is a spirit of death following you. Sometimes you hear a voice in your ears that you are going to die. There are some of you last year, you were so cast down that you even wished that death, even death, was better than living. Some of you, you were so stripped off of your work, you lost your job, you were faced with a terrible financial problem. As a matter of fact, there is a fire in your house. In one word, there is no security around you. Every bad thing enters us and when it wants, without invitation. Uh, this is the first month of the year, and you are wondering, what must I do? How can I be secured? And that is what you are thinking and pondering and wondering about. You may be thinking, if I travel out of the country, or if I get a new job, or if I divorce my wife or my husband, or even end my life, I will be free from all these catastrophes, all these problems, all these um, if I may say these horrible experiences and outcomes. But I came here tonight, this evening, with the word of God for you. Today is the very first Sunday of the year. And as I said, tonight's message is a rhema to you, a specific word. A specific message at a specific time for a specific person and I believe that you are that person 
came here with this message. And to tell you that none of the things that you are thinking of is the solution. Traveling outside of the country is nothing to the adversary. It's nothing to that enemy. To those invisible evil forces. Getting a new job is nothing to them. It won't change anything. For what you are seeing is physical, but behind that which is physical is the spiritual word. And I am telling you tonight that should you even divorce your wife or your husband, it will not change anything. To think of suicide is, is, is like jumping from frying pan to fire. And that fire is hell. There is a prophetic word for you tonight. And I pray that you would catch this message. That you would catch this rhema in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I want us to flip the pages of the scriptures to Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Exodus chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. And I read, For it says in the word of God, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be your beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you the god of heaven and earth the sea and all that is in it the mighty deliverer he gave a prophetic word through Moses and Aaron to a people living in Egypt. I want you to understand that another name for Egypt is the house of bondage. Other words, a house of slavery. There are some people who are listening to this message. Who are dwelling in the house of bondage. That is in the spiritual sense. You come from a family which has covenanted with a pagan idol. Your father dedicated you at birth to that thing, that idol. And because of that a curse is released upon you the wrath of God is upon that family and so there is no life in that family and sometimes you can see it you see it upon your father you see it upon your siblings upon your uncles it's like everything is is just a chaos there is nothing, there is no life 
in that family. Nothing to joy about. Nothing to glory about. That is because of that, that pact, that covenant, which the family have sold themselves into, giving themselves over to the adversary, to the devil, to demons. And you feel so oppressed. You feel so empty. There is nothing that you are thankful of. You are not, if I should use the word, you, you don't see the essence of life. You feel that sometimes it was better that you were not even living. You are not happy of what you are doing. You feel so ashamed. Sometimes you feel like you are the most wretched, miserable, lonely person. And when you look into your family, you see the curse of poverty. There is premature death. You see addictions and all sort of evil acts. And that is a house of bondage. That is Egypt in the spiritual sense. And some of you, your house of bondage is your fraternity. Now what I mean by fraternity is you have joined a group which gamble with your soul. They see life as it is, as if there is no God, as if there is no judgment after death. Their water is strong drinks. Their food is sexual immorality. Their principle is work, get money, and waste it. This is the group that you have joined with. And ever since you joined that group, you invited that son of a devil, that daughter of the devil in your life. Ever since you entered into that association, that fraternity, that group, that brotherhood, everything has turned black from one trouble to the other. Now in Egypt were these people so oppressed they were so oppressed by the taskmasters, those evil forces. I mean, in the time of Moses, uh, they were called taskmasters, the Pharaoh and his people. But the message which is coming to you by the Holy Spirit, it is beyond something that is physical. And so that taskmasters are not things that you can see, people that you can see, but things that you cannot see with your eyes. And these are the taskmasters, the oppressors, devils, as a matter of fact. And at times, uh, just as it was in the days of Israel, you cry at night, 
you cried day and night for help. And it's like every blessed day, you are saying one thing, help. And that is all that you are saying, right from last year, even to this very day that I am speaking. Within your heart, that is your heart cry, help. You know, Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You have looked to certain people. They have failed you. You thought if you had a good business, it would be the solution. You've had a good business, and yet you are still empty. Those you thought could help you have shut their doors right in your face. You have tried all possible means, but nothing, absolutely nothing, is working. Just as the scripture is saying, now is the time for you to lift up your eyes to God, to call upon Him. For he is merciful, and he is your only deliverer. And so in the midst of these cries and tears and this grief, and concerning the people of Israel, when they were in Egypt, God gave a word to Moses. God literally came down. That is in the first month of the year. In the first month of that new year. God came with a word. And this is what the Lord God said. Even to those who were dwelling in Egypt. The Lord said to them. Whoever wants to cross over the land of Egypt must apply the blood, the blood of the lamb, and my wrath would pass over them. Now remember the topic tonight, perfect security in the blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ. But in order for these slaves in Egypt to be able to apply the blood, God instituted these supernatural principles. Something that they ought to do in order that they may be able to apply the blood. And that they may be perfectly secured and be delivered from the oppression of the taskmasters or the oppressors. And so the Lord God gave four supernatural principles. And the first was there must be a crucifixion. That the second point, there must be a sprinkling. That the third word, that there must be a communion. And fourth, 
and there would be a Passover. So four main words went before these slaves, these people who were in Egypt. According to the word of God, these four things they were to do. Now the first three they were to do. And after doing it, the fourth is dependent on the first three instructions. One, crucifixion. Two, sprinkling. Three, communion. Then there would be a Passover. Now I would take my time to take and deal with each at a time. Now the first, crucifixion. And when we go to Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 to 6. Exodus chapter 12, verse 5 to 6. The word of the Lord says, Your lamb, let me begin from verse 4 to 6. This is the word of God. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now the word came and that they should each take a lamb according as the Lord God gave to them. And so verse 4 is a continuation to what the Lord said to them in the verse 3. Now verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goat. And the verse 6 says that now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Now, the word crucifixion means death. To those who were in Egypt in the days of Moses and Aaron, they were to slay a lamb without blemish. And what this means to us today is the death of Jesus Christ, which is already fulfilled. Now, if Jesus Christ has already died, then what this particular rhema means to us, means today, this present day, is that if Jesus has already died, then those who are in this spiritual Egypt, who are oppressed by these taskmasters, whose anthem and song is filled with weeping and tears and cries and despair and hopelessness. This is what God is saying. That you must enter into the death of Jesus Christ. Now to believe that Jesus came to die for sinners is to accept that you have died with Christ to your old lifestyle. And I think that I understand why this was the first principle to the people of Israel. To first slay the lamb. The lamb is already slain. Jesus has already died. And so how do you enter into this divine instruction? 
it is by first accepting the death of Christ Jesus. Now, as you accept and as you believe that Jesus came to die for sinners, I believe that this is the central message throughout the festive season we just passed, Christmas. And to everywhere I turned to, I heard Christ's birth and his death. It was like the whole message was basically centered on this. And so I believe that you have of a good deal heard of the birth and the death of Jesus. But to enter into what Jesus has done for you, to be able to come out of that oppression. To be able to secure for yourself that perfect security. You must identify with that death. In other words, if you believe that Jesus died for you, for your sins. You must accept. That you have, through the death of Jesus, died to your old lifestyle. And this is the first divine key to perfect security. Well, because before you can live, I beg your pardon, before you can live, you must first die. I am not talking about literally dying or killing yourself. That is not what I mean. But what I mean is you take a look at the seed of a mango. It is useless if it is in your hand. But if you want that seed to be useful, dig out the soil and put it there. Leave it there for days. And it will start springing up. It will start bringing forth life. And so that divine principle of you entering into the death of Christ Jesus. Means dying to your old life. For if one dies. He dies to that old nature that he might live for God. He dies to himself that he might live for Jesus Christ. There can never be life without death. And I say again, there can never be life Without death. And it is the reason why even our Lord Jesus Christ first laid down his life. That through his resurrection. That he might enter into the glory. And that is the same pathing. That is your crossover. Even from the land of Egypt. To that land of promise. The land of life. And of beauty. And of joy. And of fulfillment. And that is the first divine key to you. Who is listening to my voice. 
God is calling you out of that life in which you have lived in all these years. God is calling you to a different, a different kingdom. He's calling you into a different word. This is not a physical word, but a supernatural word. Where he reigns, where he rules, where his command becomes your, your sovereign rule in life. Now when we go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 20, we see in that particular scripture, the Apostle Paul speaking, even he himself talking about how he died to himself in order to fulfill the very purpose for which he was called. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, and I read, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. That is his identification with the death of Christ. His union with the death. In the death of Jesus Christ. Through his faith. Through his believing. And this is what Paul is saying. That I have been crucified with Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say that it is no longer I who live. A different phase in life. A translation from a different kingdom. A change in perception, in vision, in dreams. He says that it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And because Christ lives in me, the life which I now live in flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the meaning of this spiritual death. For he forsakes his old life. And he declares and proclaims that because he is no longer living because he is dead. Now when you look at a person who is being buried, there is no life in that person. Squeeze him, put fire on that dead body, he would feel nothing. Now in the same way, if we go to our own funeral in the spiritual sense, then this funeral is not literally dying, but it's like going to that funeral of the old life, where that old life is buried. You see, that is the same place that we must come to. When we look at that old life, we should be able to declare and proclaim as the apostle. We are no longer living for ourselves. We are no longer living in that old, wretched life of sin. Why? Because we have died. And so we are no longer alive. The old me that you used to know is dead. And that the new me that you are seeing... Is a person who is ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Lord becomes the Lord in the life. And Lord means that he has the, the preeminence, the authority 
He has the sole right to tell me where to go, to tell me what to do, to tell me what not to do. And so he says that the life that I now live, it is no longer I, but Christ lives in me. And he ends by saying that whatever it is that I do henceforth, it is to the glory of God. When he used that statement, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he first dies to himself. And not only that, you must not only die to yourself, you must also die to the word. Because if you are accepting that the Lord Jesus died for you, which is the only solution for perfect security, for you to be able to apply the blood of Jesus, you must die not only to yourself, but to the word. And so when you look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, it says again, but God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the word has been crucified to me and I to the word. And so Paul is saying that my identification with the death of Christ means only one thing, that the word is crucified to me and I to the word. In other words, I am now a stranger to the word in which I once lived in. I am now a pilgrim to the world in which I now lived in. And so if prior to this new experience, I was a drunkard, I was a licentious person, a fornicator. If say I was a thief or that I was a, a boisterous person, um, 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 aggressive person. I am no longer living in that world, in the world of lust. The last of the eyes, the, the, the last of the flesh, the pride of life. I am not seeking after the glory of this physical world, but I am seeking for one glory, and it is the glory that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. For if he is my Lord, and if he be my master, then I must pursue the glory that is in him. And so that is the first divine principle. If you can appropriate the blood of Jesus on your behalf and receive that perfect security that is in the blood, first you must die to yourself and to the word. And this is the secret to walking in perfect peace and perfect security throughout the year and beyond. And this is the first divine key. And the second key is sprinkling. And when we go to Exodus chapter 12, where we read, where we read, it says, verse 7, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat, where they eat it. Um, the second point is sprinkling. Now deliverance comes through faith in Christ, in what he has done for us. But this deliverance is enforced by word of mouth. Every deliverance that the Lord Jesus has purchased for us, we enforce it, we enforce it by word of mouth. That is, when you divide faith into two, we have the believing in what he has done. 
and two, the confessing of what he has done. These two make up faith. And this sprinkling of the blood is only enforced by the word of mud. After you have believed in all that Jesus has done for you, you must be able to confess, speak it out. An open confession of what Jesus has done for you through his death. And that is how we sprinkle, how the blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon us. And if you truly believe that, that the blood of Jesus was shed for you, you must openly confess. And one of the ways by which you can destroy satanic oppression and curses is the confession of the blood. Now I want you to understand that without the first principle, this second principle will not work. You must first die to your old life by faith in Christ Jesus, who died for you. Then you can deploy the weapon against the enemies. Now by confession of the blood, you are proclaiming that you are purchased by the blood of Jesus. If you are confessing that the blood of Jesus is shed for you, is sprinkled upon you, and this is must be an open confession. Once you begin to say that, this is what it means. You are openly proclaiming or declaring that you are purchased by the blood of Jesus, that you are no longer under the wrath of God, that you are no longer under the claim of Satan, under the influence of hell. That you are proclaiming that you are washed by the blood of Jesus. And that all your sins are washed away. And if you confess this. If this become a conscious proclamation. A conscious confession. You, all your heart. You believe in, in this. And you openly confess. It is one of the mighty weapons against the devil and his adversaries. Because whilst you confess these things, you are telling them that they have no claim over you. They have no power over you. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has purchased you. The blood of Jesus is sprinkled upon you. You are marked. And that is what it means. That you are marked with the blood of Jesus. And because you are marked with the blood of Jesus, you are an elect of God. And because you are an elect of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And now when you go to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, Peter said something that is so, um, it confirms just what we are saying in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2. He says that to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the spirit for obedience. And sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. And all that apostle is saying that you are elect of God. You are chosen of God. You now belong to God. Why? Through the sanctification of the spirit. You are set apart. Separated by the Holy Spirit. And two. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. 
you are purchased by the blood of Jesus. And so because you are purchased by the blood, you are an elect of God. Your name is written in heaven. The devil said through the, that man who was possessed, he said it to the sons of Sceva. He said that Paul, we know, we know Jesus. Why? Because they had this, this divine, invisible mark, the, the mark of the blood, the sprinkling of the blood. Look through all the scriptures, you, you would see something so peculiar about the testimony of the apostles. Always proclaiming and, and pronouncing, confessing the blood, the death of Jesus, of what Christ has done, the cross. And it, it was a conscious thing. They, they knew what they were saying. And it is the reason why the devil could not touch them. He says, for we know them. Now the third aspect of this is communion. Now in Exodus chapter 12, the third instruction to them, 12 verse 8, the Lord said to them, Then they shall eat of the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now in one word, you are to feed on Christ. The third instruction is that you must feed on Christ. Now one way by which we feed on Christ is by feeding on his words. For man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. The word must be accepted. It must be believed. It must be confessed. It must be preached. And it must be defended. Now Jesus said to them in John chapter 6 verse 53. He said to those, the multitudes who were following him. And in John chapter 6 verse 53, the Lord said, and I, I read, it says that, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now this is the center of the word. The life of the soul. That his body and blood. Which was offered in sacrifice. For sacrifice for sin. Must be received by faith. Now what the Lord is saying. In all in, in this whole picture. Is about. What he suffered. The atonement. You becoming a partaker of what Christ went through. His atonement for sins. And that is all that it means. That is the, the central theme of, of the communion. The sacrament which we have in the church. Now just as the blood, the body was broken on the cross. When we take that bread, that is communion, we are accepting and believing in what Christ suffered. 
The same way when we drink the cup, we are accepting that his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And the Lord said that whoever does not believe or accept this, he has no life in him. As a matter of fact, this is the spiritual food of the soul. This is the means by which we enter into eternal life. Believing in that one time work of Christ, the atonement. This is what it means. And this is the reason why when we are taking communion, we must be conscious. And we must not take it unworthily. In other words, we must not take it as if we do not understand what Jesus paid or suffered for us. We must take it with all reverence. Because that is what it means. The communion. Your union with Christ. His body that was broken. His blood that was shed. So when you are taking that communion, you are confessing in a way. You are proclaiming the death of Jesus Christ. And that is the third divine key, the third divine instruction to us. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that for Christ Jesus is the Passover lamb. And that is the reason why in Exodus they fed on that lamb. And so to us, we only feed on, on that 